What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Line Behind the Frame podcast, episode number 13. I am Josiah Ness, and in this week, we get to hear from Christy Titus. Christy is an NRA board member, TV show host, hunter, competitive shooter, and ambassador for many outdoor companies. In this interview, she talks about her love for hunting and being in the outdoors and how she's built her brand and business around her passions. We are here today on day one of the Hunt Expo with Christy Titus, and we are, I mean, it's its the start of the show. Like, are you excited for the first day of being almost done? Like, was it a good solid start? The Hunt Expo is always a great day. Um, every, every day at this show gets more and more crazy with people, and it's really tremendous to see so many people come in from so many geographical locations to yeah. one spot to not only support conservation, but to see what the latest and greatest products are on the market, to have an opportunity at some specialty tags. Yeah. It's just a, it's a great place. You know, Salt Lake's got a lot of great attractions in the area. Um, there's so much going on. It's just such a, a fantastic community where you, it's like a family reunion every year. Yeah. So it's tremendous. Yeah. And how many years have you been involved in the, in, in this show? I'm trying to think about that. Um, well, since I partnered with Cabela's, so in my early 30s, I would imagine like I was 30 or 31, my first one. So mm -hmm. eight years. Yeah. Going, going <laughs> strong. And it's still, and it's been growing. I mean, I feel like it's, it's quite, quite the, the space going this year, right? I yeah. Mean, they it's... expanded this this year, is yeah. my understanding, by like 100 booths because wow. there was a pretty significant waiting list to get in here. Um, yeah. They expanded their space and, and just gives not only vendors and exhibitors more opportunity, but it, it gives people more reason to come. Yeah. Yeah. The general public being able to come and experience even the brands and the companies mm -hmm. and finding out the, the people behind those companies. I think that's, it's really cool. You get to, you get to run into other people in the industry that may never see somewhere else in the general day to day. Well, and sometimes anymore, I have to like stop myself and be like, Oh, hi, I'm Christy. And they're like, yeah, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, man, have we actually I know, ever you so. <laughs> have we ever actually met or do I just know you because I stalk you on Instagram and I feel like I know you? Oh, by the way, right. how's your son Tommy? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. people are right. looking at you like, like I've seen actually, your post. We've never actually even met, but I feel like I know everything about your life. Yeah. But that's and so anyway, this is the place where you can come and actually shake a hand that's behind all the photos and, and all the fun yeah. stories that we get to, you know, travel along with in each other's lives year round. Right, right. And, and well, that's actually what we're, what we're trying to do too, is even just looking at the people that are behind the stuff that, that people see out there as well as the organizations yeah. and the, and obviously Mule Deer Foundation being one of those that just have really done so much in the conservation side and then giving a, an event like this and being such a big part of that to allow people to be, to, to come and experience it and also contribute to the conservation. I mean, that's, has that always been a, a big draw for you getting into this industry or how is, how has conservation kind of been tied in with, with how you got um, started in this? Well, and that's interesting. You ask me that. Cause I, I often get asked that, like, how did you get a TV show? It's like, well, it's not really what I, I wasn't starting out trying to have a TV show. Yeah. So for me, um, it was conservation based. So my family has always been members of different conservation groups, my entire adult life. Um, and, or if childhood into adult life, I should say. Um, and I started volunteering, stuffing envelopes, doing community outreach programs and, um, just volunteering my time doing land stewardship product projects just because it was the right thing to do. And I yeah. was interested in the outdoors and I wanted to be more activated. And then what I discovered along the way is there was different outdoor skills that I really wanted to learn a lot more about. 
So what I started doing is organizing small community events locally, primarily geared towards women. Yeah. Where I would say, okay, well, we're going to do a women's handgun training class. Or I would have somebody like a uh, renowned survival expert, Peter Comerfelt, come in and we would do survival training. And there was a, there's a gentleman in my local town that does, um, teaches GPS na- land navigation at the college. Oh, wow. And so I'd have him come in and nice. do all of these cool, interesting classes that would, you know, you can learn from and gain yeah. more confidence. And, and, um, it was all done through, you know, different nonprofits, be it SCI or RMEF or MDF, and um, and in working with those different associations to create a format or a place to kind of launch and support um, those educational outreach programs, and and so um, that led me into having a career in the outdoors, which is kind of unique because I never imagined I would be. Um, a leader in an industry because when I started, I was so hungry for knowledge and, and I still am. Um, and I'm still always learning and I'm still always training. But at that time, really, that was, that was the kicking point for me. Wasn't, um, wasn't anything other than a desire to, to spearhead conservation and be a leader in my community as from, from the female standpoint. And then you might desire to learn. Yeah. And that, I, I feel like that makes it that much more genuine, not just that you, you happen upon this platform or something yes. like that. It takes time, right? I mean, it's something you've been building for quite some time now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it didn't just happen. <laughs> my entire adult life. Yeah. 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 Like literally. And, and you know, it, 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 what I've learned in anything we do in life, it's all relationship based. You and yeah. I have a lot of the same friendships and yeah. some, a lot of the same relationships. Everything we do is relationship based. And so I think a great life lesson for, you know, somebody that's new listening to this or that has goals or might be young yeah. is to always treat people as as good as you can possibly treat them because the people you meet today, you know, can in the future, you know, you can help lend a handy, helping hand to them or vice versa. They can lend a helping hand to you or, or if you burn a bridge, you've sunk your ship before it even gets at sales. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really important, you know, so much of what we do here in conservation, everything is we're all there as stewards. We're all there to help each other. And yeah. um, it just really, it kind of works out that way. Yeah. And and that's a big part of, I think, even when we initially started our company um, seven years ago, it's, it's, it's launching out into something mm-hmm. that you may not be completely proficient in yet yeah. but it's something that you're passionate about yeah. and you have to get past that initial that initial barrier that seems to keep people from entering into something that they actually enjoy that are passionate about they can they can put all of their energy into and what do you think is is one of the things that maybe either was is maybe a, a hold back or a hindrance when you initially started that you had to overcome or something that maybe other people that are afraid to step into something that they're passionate about and wanting to you know, continue to, to follow into like, what, what, what have you seen as kind of a, a barrier in a way to kind of get that, past that? Well, I think people are their own worst barrier and in, in the, having the mentality of, or oh, I can't do that or not even trying. Um, so the, the great saying that I like is a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and to look at your end goal and, and sometimes it can seem insurmountable. Well, if you never take that first step, of course, you're never going to reach your destination. And, um, I think you get in your own way, you get in your own head. And, and a lot of times we just get out of our own way and do it. And a lot of people are waiting for someone to do things for them. Like I, I had a, 
a person come to my booth today and, and they're like, hey, you know, I really want to get involved with some of those, you know, kids hunts and kids programs that I see you doing on your digital series. You know, how do you do those? And, you know, who do, who do I need to talk to? And I'm like, <laughs> you're talking <laughs> yeah. to the person in <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. the person you're talking to yourself. Like it's this is about you. You have to be that person. You have to be that leader. And if you, you know, have a, a vision, you have to be the one to do it because the the challenge that we face in the outdoor industry is there's not enough people that are willing to step up and be the one yeah. that carries the load. Yeah. And um, we need more people like that and, and, and being willing to take that first step of saying, okay, I have this vision and it may not happen overnight. It may not happen in six months. It may not happen in a year. Uh, you know, for example, my brand pursue the wild. I created my logo. I created that brand when I was 27 years old wow. and I sat on it and did nothing with it for almost 10 years. But I had a dream and I had a vision and I knew someday um, that I would do something with it. And when I came up with it, you know, it was before there was a million TV shows. And so I, I feel like I got a good name and I had it trademarked and I kind of had that upper yeah. hand. But it took me almost 10 years to make it a reality. And so wow. sometimes it's just waiting on that idle mode, but still continually moving forward and, and not letting anything stop you is the main thing that I think gets in everybody's way. Yeah. And, and obviously it's, it's a lot of, of steps, like you had mentioned, lots of, of smaller steps mm -hmm. that help to build towards that, that end goal, but you still have to have that end vision. That's, that's what you're building towards. Yeah. So then it keeps you going when you don't feel like you want to keep going. Right? Well, and I walk around this room and there's people in this room that gave me just in passing, just little nuggets of advice that were literally life-changing yeah. for me, um, instrumental in shaping uh, the course of my life just with literally a, a conversation and, yeah. uh, it doesn't take a lot, but you have to run with advice and, and make it, you know, make it a reality. Yeah. And, and what's some of the, the things that have helped to create this kind of, obviously the different platforms, the TV show and that kind of thing. Like what, what's been the big, I guess the aid along the way of, you have this vision, like how do you get it out to the people? Like what has been, seems to be the main mode of communicating what you want to see happen and accomplish? Is it more through your daily interaction with the people or even posting things, you know, ongoing so that people can follow? Or is it, you know, putting in with the TV show? Like what seems to be the main, I guess, the bigger piece that's been able to influence the, you know, the growth that you have? I think social media has changed the level of influence that people can have yeah. in a very profound way. Um, the caveat to that is it's easy to put up a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's easy to be something online that is not authentically who you are. It's easy to portray a persona of somebody or something. What sets the personalities apart that end up with you know, doing something like I do and other people that just kind of end up not really going big places is level of respect. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people respect is earned and not given. Yeah. And especially in this industry, in, in any industry, any sport, you know, you don't have a collegiate athlete that steps on a playing field 
And everybody's like, oh, he's great because I saw some videos on his yeah. social media page. Right, right. Like, oh, yeah, you know. But what mm. that does give respect is you you watch someone run with a ball. You watch them throw. Like, it's the same thing in mm-hmm. this industry. And, and social media is great for creating that platform. It builds recognition. It builds well. recognitions. Yeah. It gives you a voice, a larger, more significant voice that carries a lot farther. But the person behind it has to have the message and, and that message has to be followed with respect. So it's not just my voice, then it's the voice of my peers mm. or other people that actually meet me that can carry that message and say, you know what, what you see online is genuine and authentic. Um, and it's not smoke and mirrors because there's a lot of personalities in that are great at doing the opposite of that. They're great at putting up, you know, all this bedazzle smoke and mirrors and you, yeah, most people believe and buy that and it's not real. Mm-hmm. And and that's the difference I think yeah. uh, for me is is I feel like I've spent a long time earning respect. I I continually train, um, whether it comes from firearms or archery, and I give back. And a lot of people, I don't want to say have a selfish intent, but they're like, I'm so great. I did this. I killed this. I did this 200 inch deer. This 400 inch elk. I'm so awesome. I should have my own show. And it's like, okay, well, those are all great things, but. What have you given back? Yeah. You know, where yeah. have you put boots on the ground and given back to conservation? Have you given your time? Have you given a resource? Have you supported something greater than yourself? Yeah. And I, and I think everybody, you know, any hunter should look back at them and say, okay, I'm taking a resource from our land. Every time I go hunting, I'm utilizing water. I'm utilizing the terrain. I'm breathing clean air. Yeah. I'm, I'm having the opportunity to harvest an animal. How am I giving back so that I leave this place better than the way I found it? Yeah. And if you can't answer that, then perhaps you should reevaluate the choices you make when it's not hunting season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it, it brings to surface what, what you're willing to, if you're making this, a, you know, whether, even if it's not a full-time thing, it's just something you enjoy doing. Absol- absolutely. It needs to be something that is going to last mm-hmm. and like with the Mule Deer Foundation and, and other ones as well, and just how much they put in that people don't see so that they can have these, you know, uh, uh, opportunities that we have. I mean, it's something that many people will take for granted and don't realize that, no, it takes some, some, some effort to keep that in balance. Right. And that's, and that's obviously a, a big part of, of these types of organizations and what you've been doing. And, and that's such a, it's such a great thing to see and and it's an, an encouraging to see it in this setting and this place as well on just how when you see the people coming together and helping to give money and time and resources uh, it's it's kind of it's refreshing but it's also encouraging to know that this much is going on and it's and it's easy for people to get involved they can they can come in at a small level they can give back i mean that is does it seem to be a certain area that that is more effective that for at least for what you've been able to do with um in, in certain, I guess, for the, the, the normal person that just are going out hunting, like what have you seen has been a, a good benefit that, or something that they can get into easy enough to start giving back or being involved? Well, for example, my sister and I do an event um, called the Women for Wildlife event. We went last year to it. And the challenge with a lot of nonprofits that they're facing is the volunteers are typically retired, which is fantastic mm-hmm. because they have more time to give. The challenge that we're facing is that the activities tend to be steered towards 
their age group and might not be as fun or as attractive to younger people to get involved. And so what we need in a lot of these groups is younger people that are willing to infuse themselves because we don't know everything. We need the experience of people that have been there, done that, the guidance of them. But we also need the insight of bringing in, okay, what's new, what's exciting, what's fun, um, how can we make this better? And yeah, you need that diversity in any demographic of leadership. So you need the tenured people in and you need the new blood in. And those two components mixing together is what creates success. So it gives you longevity and attractiveness for every age group. It brings in kids. It brings in women. And having a diverse board or a diverse committee. Yeah is critical for the success of any nonprofit, especially if it's going to be attractive for people to feel emotionally invested and mm-hmm. they want to have fun. They yeah. want to feel like they belong to something. And if an event's not fun, you're usually like, oh my gosh, that was really boring. I'm not, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go back to that. Don't want to <laughs> be there. Yeah. But yeah. if you have a good time, you're like, man, I can't wait for next year's event. You know, mm-hmm. let's do this better or different. And, you know, my sister and I went to an event last year and it was just like your standard banquet and their idea of entertainment, not to, say anything bad about myself, but you know, their idea of entertainment was having me speak. And I'm, and I, you know, I'm like, boy, I'm really boring. Like this is not (laughs) fun. Nobody wants to listen to me speak. Like let's do something better. So we kind of took over this event Mm. and we're doing a theme this year called kick your boots up for conservation. We rented a cool pub space. We're bringing in either a band or if that doesn't work out, we're going to do, um, line dancing. It's a women's only event. So we're going to do the auction and the whole deal, but you know, they're going to get to dance and have some fun and, you know, just create something that's completely unique. Yeah. Why not kick your boots up for conservation? Why not do, I mean, different groups are doing pub nights and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Not that, you know, I'm centering this around alcohol by any means, but, um, just just any type of venue, you know, have uh, the Northwest Ladies Hunting Camp. They have this whole camp that's for new hunters and shooters that we go camping and we have tons of, you know, experienced instructors come out. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, right now what we need is more diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And just willingness to step up and be that person. Right. Right. Because then it it takes down the excuses of, oh, it's it's not fun. I don't want to just go out and do it. And it's it's not obtainable. I mean, it's. You, you put it at that personal level and mm-hmm. something that people can enjoy. And then it's, it just takes out that barrier that might mm-hmm. keep them from, from giving because it's, it turns in, I mean, it can turn into a part of your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you, you do go out and, and harvest and spend time in the outdoors, but you're also giving back to make sure it, it lasts. I well, mean, my niece has been volunteering on my sister's committee uh, since she was 13 years old mm. and she goes, to every committee meeting and she's like invested and she calls a lot of the people on there. And this is like in no, well, I better not say that. They, (laughs) they love the people on there. They're like our grandparents. (laughs) They really, they're literally have become like a lot of them have become like grandparents. And so she's like emotionally invested with them and they are mentoring her and it's just good for kids. It's good for everybody and no age limit. I think it's good. Yeah. the, the platform you've been able to build, I mean, with having a, a TV show, uh, let's talk for that for a second with what, for those that, I mean, they might watch the TV show or even other ones, like what, what does it take? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure a lot of days out in the field, a lot of, a lot of time, you know, having to like, what, 
what's some of the behind the scenes of what what does it take to put together a show like what you have? The first thing, well, first of all, so my show is digitally based. It's it's called Pursue the Wild, and it's available only on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Amazon, and yeah. then Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's Elk Network. So that's it. It's not. Um, I don't have out my outdoor TV. I'm not outdoor channel, I'm yeah. not sportsman's channel, I'm not carbon. I'm just I own my own business. Sure. I am my own network. Randy Newberg is the only, well, not the only one, but is another. Yeah. I guess what I'd say notable sure. series that is his own network in that yeah. digital space. And so, um, what people don't understand is you can film all the hunts you want. At the end of the day, when you go to perhaps a partner. And you want to ask them to invest in what you're doing, whether it be with product or time or a financial investment. Um, it's business. Yeah. And you have to prove what I call a, a return on investment, mm -hmm. ROI. So the first place to start, I, I always tell people, they, they say, well, I want to do a TV show. And I say, well, where's your business plan? Yeah. And what do you mean, where's my business plan? I'm like, well, you're well, doing- It's a business? It's you a have to do it like a business? <laughs> you want to do a TV show and you want to get <laughs> yeah. money from people. But why would they give you their money? Where's your business plan? And, and right. they're, they're dumbfounded by it. And I, I have a 23-page business plan. And then, um, which has kind of morphed into a little bit of, you know, like a media kit, but it's still eight pages long. And um, But I started out with a business plan. And, and so, first of all, you know, what's your business plan? What's your return on investment? What is what is your CPM? And if you don't know what that is, Google it. It's 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 yeah. how many dollars it takes to have so many thousands of views. And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, what are these numbers? Because these are all quantifiable numbers now with the way digital works and the way media works. I can tell you exactly how many people watch my series, how many minutes are viewed, their demographics as far as gender, age, socioeconomic status. Yeah. So these numbers is, you know, it's, you work that into your business plan. And so it's not just, mm -hmm. I'm a great hunter and I got this, you know, great deer, you know, I shoot a great deer every year. It's not about that. Um, yeah. It's got to be that you're number one, a, a good brand ambassador that exhibits good ethics and it has integrity in business and in life and mm -hmm. with your hunting practices. And, uh, and that you, you know how to handle a business. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that that people don't realize goes into creating that into a, uh, a whole series. I mean, there's, there's yeah. the behind the scenes and, and the, the, the pieces that they don't realize because you have to run it like a business. It's not just creating media. It's not just creating a face. Mm -hmm. It's actually creating a lot more than that as exactly. well. Well, so. and, and they, you know, mainstream, they only see the photos on Instagram. They only see you know, what we put out there for, for visible content, nobody sees the hours at the desk and the work that goes into, I mean, I watched yeah. Jason Matzinger's project mule deer the other night mm -hmm. at the full draw film tour at the kickoff. And the amount of hours that that man has invested in that film. I mean, he films most of it himself. He writes all his own scripting. He does his own research. He does his own storylining. There's nobody that helps him. <laughs> Yeah. Like people are like, well, how do you do that? Well, um, I don't know. How would you do it? Cause that's exactly, yeah. you know, what you have to ask yourself and, yeah. and take that step. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always a large production crew and everything. I mean, you have to, yeah. and, and that's taking a passion and something that has, someone has a vision for it and actually making it happen. Even if you don't have, or if, if you're not going to all these multiple people mm -hmm. to, to build those pieces, sometimes you have to do it yourself and it still turns out amazing and accomplishes Oh, for you know, sure. Great things as well. So aside from, from that piece, what, what are the other parts that you're having to 
I guess, produce and, and just even the day-to-day, like what is, what is kind of a typical day of someone that has a lot of different things going on, a lot of different irons in the fire, <laughs> as a lot of people say, um, how, how do you handle so many different things going on? Like what's kind of a, a, a typical work day, if you yeah. will, that's quotation marks, like not a normal work day, right? Well, and so you have to be a self-starter. Um, if you're going to be self-employed in any business, you can't be the kind of person that sleeps until 10 a.m. and kind of slacks off and doesn't really work. You have to be a self-starter. You have to get up in the morning and treat every day as a job because it truly is. Um, For me personally, you know, my days vary. I I have quite a bit of, when I'm home, um, you know, first thing in the morning, I want to go knock out emails. So I go and I I answer my day-to-day kind of business emails. But I, I produce and script my own television show. So um, often what I'm doing is, you know, my producer will send me a rough edit on a hunt that we've done and I'll go through and, and we kind of pre-plan when we go in the field and storyline what story we want to tell with the hunt yeah. um, so that we make sure we have the right shots that fulfill the visual message that we're trying to convey without the epi- throughout the episode. Yeah. So after we've done all that, you know, he sends me a rough cut, then I go through and I have to script and, and write the actual content voiceover. So I'll do that. Um, I work with a lot of my partners because I also do a lot of tips and tactics on my series. Mm, So, um, I'll get with my partners and talk about, you know, new product launches. Like I just filmed a thing for obsession on their new Obitrax cam. Um, I just filmed some stuff with buck knives on their buck knife selector tool. And, and, but we plan this stuff in advance so that in the field while I'm hunting and I'm using the buck knife selector, I can take video using it. And and then I have B roll, you know, that's, that's pertainable for, you know, the content we're creating. So you have to pre-plan and, and be an executive producer, if you yeah. will, all of this stuff before you ever go hunting. Because right. if you just go hunting, when you get back from the trip, you're like, man, I wish we would have done these pictures and I wish we would have got that. And I didn't do this. And yeah. so you have to foreshadow. Um, and then when you get to the desk, you're just polishing what you've already created. Um, sure. So we do, I do a lot of scripting. So we'll film specialty tips and tactics. Um, for me, when I'm home, I really focus on my nutrition. I really focus on fitness. But I also started competitive shooting. And so yeah. I really like to get out, spend some time at the range. Um, shooting is an extremely perishable skill. Yeah. And um, I would really love to see a lot more hunters get into um, more precision shooting. And I don't want to say long range shooting because I'm not necess- like I'm not a huge advocate for long range hunting. Sure. Um, because most people just aren't skilled to do it. There are very few people that are skilled enough yeah. to do it. And most people get out there and they make bad, unethical decisions. Yeah. Because um, they know a guy it's who's magnified got, at that great, distance. And they don't have a clue. They don't yeah. even understand what they're doing. But I, I do think it's really important that people become more proficient with firearms. Um, you know, how to take good rests in the field. You know, how to capitalize on opportunities. And there's not a lot of enough of that. I don't think that really goes Mm -hmm. on. Um, I don't really know any other hunters in the industry. John Pinch would be one. He's one of the top shooters in the world, Mm -hmm. um, that actually has stepped into the competitive shooting arena and says, okay, well, I'm really going to work at being the best brand ambassador I can for hunting and being the most ethical hunter I can. And I'm going to train really hard. So when I see that big bull and I see that deer, not only I make the shot, but I make a very clean, 
ethical shot. And I've done everything I can to give that animal the utmost respect in the most beautiful death that I can possibly provide them. Um, And that's, um, I'm very passionate about that. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like that applies beyond just hunting with pre-preparation that goes in beforehand, making sure what you are doing is at the the best ability that you mm-hmm. can. So it's, it, it goes over smoothly. It, there's no, you know, problems, obviously things that as much as you can avoid, you have, you know, issues that, that can come up. You never know what happens sometimes, but. Yeah. Uh, when I'm home though, I'm like, Oh man, okay. I'm going to get through <laughs> yeah, five yeah. hours at the desk and right. then I'm going to go do cardio. And yes. that's like my reward. I'm like, ah. Yes. It's going to go be physical too. I get so. to go take my dogs for a run. Yeah. Like I, there's nothing I love more than taking my dogs out. And I just, right? and my dog knows man, four o'clock. Cause I'll get up in the morning and I'm just 6am. I'm at my desk and yeah. my dog knows by four o'clock, especially in the winter is time. Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, yeah. And he's gonna. This is my if time. I move, if I move, he's like freaks yeah. out. Like so, he knows too. He's like, I've been good all day, mom. Yeah, <laughs> Come yeah. on, let's What kind go. of dog do you have? Rhodesian Ridgeback and a Maltese. Wow, wow, that's that's a handful. <laughs> a very big one and a very tiny one. But my yeah. tiny dog, man, that little thing. She's eleven and she still runs. And it, it wow. blows my mind. She still yeah. runs with me. Yeah, yeah. And and so what's when you get to go to some very unique places and and hunting and, and and filming and doing these types of things, what's what's kind of a story that stands out for maybe a, either a really unique place or just logistically wise it was very difficult or something that was just kind of stands out or that pops into your head of just something that was, I guess you can have a lot of memorable hunts but maybe something that a story or something that kind of stands out for you. Boy, I've done so many awesome hunts. Um with some really incredible people the the hunts that really stand out the most for me are aren't where i'm the hunter it's Mm. when i've been with other people the ones that get me the most emotional are when i hunt with my dad yeah like when i go bow hunting for the last i don't even know how many years in oregon i'm not hunting it's all about my dad and um even this year you know i don't i mean i'm five days in the mountains with my dad and i have a bow but it's not my hunt. It's my dad's hunt because he still works. Yeah. And um, so for me, it's being with my family, you know. Um, I work with a group called Wounded Warrior Outdoors. And mm-hmm. I, I try to go once a year on an adventure with them. Yeah. Create those friendships, those like brotherhood with them. And and those are some life-changing experiences. Um, I work with a group called Children of Circumstances Outdoors. That was a group that branched off. My friend used to work with Hunt of a Lifetime, which is a great group. And he... Uh, decided to start his own group that's very similar and and I work with them in Oregon quite a bit and uh, so the most meaningful trips for me are the ones where you can go and make an impact in someone else's life yeah uh, because that's what really sticks with you yeah yeah Yeah. the moments where I have harvested success you know those are great moments but the moments that give you like that gut check Mm, like those are the ones where you know you're making an impact yeah yeah because then then the the scope of what you are able to do on a day-to-day basis just amplifies that much more because they're able to experience what you've been able to experience as well. That's right. I mean, that's a great thing to do with a platform with mm-hmm. an impact with people is to share that again with, mm-hmm. with others as well. I mean, which is what goes back with conservation. Yeah. You know, yeah. getting involved with a group like Mule Deer Foundation, joining their committee, being involved, like it's so impactful. Yeah. And it really does change your life in a very profound way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so uh, for this uh, year, is there some new things that you're more so pushing into or what's kind of the the, the thing on the horizon that you're uh, kind of focusing on right now? Well, so for my series, what I really try to focus on is as many do-it-yourself hunts as possible. And I try to hunt public land as much as possible. And yeah. it's just usually me and my camera guy. Um, my dad goes on a lot of trips. Um, this year, I'm still focusing on doing a lot of hunts with women. Um, if I do use an outfitter, like I, I went up north and I hunted with North River Outfitters and hunted uh, mountain goat and moose or no excuse me i have hunted mountain goat with them but on that trip it was caribou and moose i went with their with their girl she's like 23 years old and i went with a kiwi girl who's like 20 and the three of us <laughs> got dropped off 100 air miles from the nearest town and wow. hunted moose and caribou <laughs> together three girls in the middle wow. of nowhere so i try to really promote um incredible women yeah because there are some really incredible women it, out there that are doing some very legitimate things and they aren't the people necessarily that get the recognition. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to shine a light on those women. And it, it's, it's a lot of them are philanthropic. You know, I work with a group called Hunt and Wives and those two women take, pay their own money and they fly a mom and a daughter out or a mom and a kid out every year. This will be their second year and we take them turkey hunting and, and they just want to give back and give them a great experience. And those are the women, those are the people that to me, um, I want to tell their stories, you know, that's impactful for me. So, you know, I'm going to continue that trend this year and, and tell some great stories, I hope. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking some of your time to, to talk on the podcast. It was definitely very interesting to see and hear about all the things that are going on right now. And so Behind we're, the scenes. Uh, <laughs> Behind yeah, the scenes. What yeah. really happens? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> what that's... do you really do, Christy? Because it doesn't seem like you have to do a whole lot. Let yeah, me just well, tell you, I work seven days a week. Yeah. My job is so awesome, though. It's like I don't work at all. <laughs> right. And that's, I yeah. feel like that's such a big part of, of doing something you're passionate about and, yeah. and, and being blessed to do that. And, and, and I'm thankful to do the same thing where I, I never feel like I'm going into work. No. I mean, it, yeah. I, Working long hours, it doesn't matter all of the days. It's just, it, it's something you're passionate about and it comes out through there. What, whatever task it might be, it's still involved with going where you're wanting to go and you get to see the impact and the, and, uh, and it just, it's, it's energizing. It yeah, really is. Absolutely just, is. And it's great to talk to other people that feel the same way. <laughs> but, uh, so how do, how do people find out more? Like, how do they find the, the show on the different channels you had mentioned and, and anywhere else to follow what you're doing? So my show is called pursue the wild and you can find it on your smart TV on Amazon prime. It's free to watch there on Amazon. Um, YouTube is also free. Facebook is free. Instagram has this great thing called IGTV. If yeah, you guys aren't aware of it, it's pretty it's, awesome. It's, it's popping right now. It's, it's good. Popping. Yeah. And so the nice thing about that is, is I, I just kind of changed how we um, orient the video and put yep. it on IGTV. And it's great. You can watch everything there. And um, so it's all digitally based. So just those mediums, you can go on Elk Network and watch yeah. them there. And um, and then so it's just my social media is Christy Titus. So it's K-R-I-S-T-Y-T-I-T-U-S. And that's across the board, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. Excellent. Excellent. Don't look for me on Snapchat. <laughs> not, I'm out. Not, not about that <laughs> i have a snapchat i don't do snapchat yeah, so yeah. You're not, i'm not gonna snap my life yeah yeah <laughs> check yeah. it out on instagram that's <laughs> there's actually, enough on there instagram is where i really do most of my posting and i don't yeah. know if you guys are the same way but facebook oh, yeah. has like really fallen kind of by the wayside for me it's, and it's yeah. all about instagram yeah yeah i mean it's it's where the attention is and yeah. that's where people are paying attention to and that's it's just and it's engaging too. It allows people mm-hmm. to connect with people that maybe they feel like they can't 
reach out to and even yeah. just like being at the show and get it to, to talk to people that may be you know insta famous or those yeah. kind of things i mean they're real people and you get yeah. to connect with them and i think that just if, if you use it in the right way and you have Absolutely. those social media channels you can really make something that's real and it's not just a not just a platform to put yeah. things out on Absolutely. So. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you for your time. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, well, thank you for listening to this later. podcast. Hopefully. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.